I was not with you uh, this past Wednesday because I was, during the week, I was down in Carlinville. That's about, that's a four hour drive from here in the middle of the state, in the middle of farm country. Our, our district uh, has a camp there, a very beautiful camp, and uh, twice a year uh, we hold presbyter meetings down there, and that's about 30 uh, pastors from all over the state just gather uh, to pray, gather to uh, talk about the condition of our district and some of the issues that have to be uh, looked upon and decisions made upon. And our, often our conversation this time revolved a lot around the current state, if you will, of the church in general. And that all the pastors, regardless whether you're in Chicago or whether the furthest tip of Illinois or the northern tip of Illinois, all the pastors pretty much are saying the same thing, uh, that, that they feel that this is unprecedented times that we are in, that they feel that there, there, there's such things that are happening in the church or that are impacting the church. Politics, all the pastors saying politics like never before has been impacting the church in a negative way, uh, causing a lot of anger, causing a lot of strife in their churches. Uh, there's, there's the cultures, the different cultures that are happening. Uh, and, and then there's, there's the sexuality issue. There's, there's obviously COVID and, and people's different positions on the vaccine and all of this is creating so much issues in the church. We're not even talking about outside of the church, in the church. Uh, uh, each pastor is talking about how can we navigate through these difficult times. And we've been taking a little journey, uh, gleanings from the book of Colossians, one of the pastors said that he felt that this was unprecedented times, that this is something that has never happened before. And that got me to thinking, is that really the case? Has, is this the first time that the church has faced all different kinds of issues that have created divisions or problems within the church? Now, the, the, the book Colossians is a very interesting book in that the Apostle Paul never visited this church. He heard about this church while he was in prison. He was in prison and he was visited by a man named Epaphras who was from the church at Colossae. And he gives Paul this report about his church. And the, in the beginning, he tells Paul that the people have great faith in Jesus Christ and that they, they love one another. But then he also goes on to tell the apostle Paul that there, there are problems in the church. There are issues in this church. There are uh, people who are misleading the congregation. Uh, there's wrong teaching going on. There's teaching about religious celebrations that have to be held. Uh, listen, you know what? There's nothing in the Bible, uh, uh, in the New Testament, about religious celebrations. You won't find anything in the Bible about Easter. You won't find anything in the Bible about celebrating Christmas. These are traditions that are brought into the church, right? And I'm not saying those are in inherently wrong, but when we make them a mandate, yes. 
that it's God that we do this or it's not God if we're unholy if we don't. Now we're bringing in wrong doctrine. We're, we're misleading people. And this was going on there. There were others that were teaching about the Sabbath, that you have to uh, maintain and keep the Sabbath. Otherwise, you're not saved. There were people that were even talking about and teaching about the worship of angels. All this, believe it or not, was going on in this church that loved Jesus, that had faith in Jesus, and that loved one another. And yet, they had all these things. And inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul pens this letter that we call the book of Colossians. And I want to look at the first four verses of chapter 2 this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Colossians chapter 2, the first four verses. Paul wrote, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So that, everybody say that with me, so that, in other words, this is the reason, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that, everybody say so that, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Father, I come before you now and I pray, as always, for your precious anointing upon my life. God, this is not about my thoughts. This is about your thoughts and that which you want us to communicate. That's what you want all of us to hear this morning. Help me to articulate clearly these thoughts, oh God. And empower me through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Transform my simple words into the living word of God this morning. And may it accomplish what you set it out to do in all of our lives. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. So notice, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Colossae. He says, I'm, I'm contending for you. I'm contending. That word contending literally means I'm in a battle. I'm in a conflict with you. And through prayer, the apostle Paul was battling the powers of darkness. He was not battling other human beings. He was not battling anything other than the powers of darkness. For the apostle Paul understood that error is finds its, its origin, it, its birthing in the kingdom of darkness that loves to weave uh, uh, half-truths, things that seem right but are totally wrong. And so he's contending, he's battling the powers of darkness. He knew that the conflict, again, was not against human beings. And notice he said it was a hard conflict. You know, when we look at prayer and we battle the forces of darkness, it's important that we remember we never, ever battle another human being. 
There is no such thing in the kingdom of God, in the church of Jesus Christ, as an enemy in the flesh. We have enemies spiritually. We battle spiritual forces. And there are times that the battle is hard because our enemy is entrenched deeply in people's lives. Well, Paul prayed and notice his goal through prayer and this letter that he wrote was that they would be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they would have that full riches of complete understanding. I titled this message, Complete Understanding. Paul's talking about knowing the mystery of God. And that mystery is Jesus Christ. And in Christ, notice Paul say, is are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. You will never know what it is to have true wisdom and true knowledge apart from Jesus Christ. Everything that God has made available is hidden in knowing Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul said, I'm, I, I'm praying this and I'm writing this letter so that you might know all of these uh, treasures, these hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge, that you might know Christ in that way so that no one would deceive you. No one would mislead you. Now, again, this church in Colossae, they had faith in Jesus. Yet, that faith in Christ was not enough to keep them from being deceived. Listen to me this morning. We need to recognize that just because we believe in Jesus, it does not mean we are not capable of being deceived. We, we're not capable of embracing wrong teaching, wrong doctrine, if you will. Listen to the words of Jesus as he's talking about the end times. In Matthew chapter 24, listen to verse 4 and 5. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Will deceive many. Verse 6. You will hear of war. Oh, excuse me. Let me, not, let me just stop there. Notice Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you, which means you're, you can't be deceived. There are people that are going to come and claim to be the Messiah. I'm going to jump down to also verse 11 now. Listen to verse 11. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. So notice, Jesus talking to his followers. He's not talking to the crowd. He's talking to everyone that's following him. He said, be on your guard. Watch out. Be alert. Why? Because if you're not careful, you will be deceived. There are going to come a time where you're going to have literal people coming saying, I'm the Messiah. Now, some of us say, well, I would never be deceived in that. But people were. And Jesus said, there are going to be false 
prophets and they are going to deceive many. In other words, they are going to be very persuasive. And not a few, many are going to be deceived by them. Many are going to be misled into believing a false teaching. And today, thousands of years later, not much has changed, has it? The church then was affected by false teaching. The people were being deceived. And today, not much has changed. The church today, we have people who love Jesus Christ, who have embraced him as their savior and have received the spirit of God dwelling in their heart. And yet, the church today is at odds with one another. The church today is experiencing turmoil with one another. Not we're outside, inside. Inside the church, there is strife. Inside the church, there, there, is, there are now divisions, camps that have been set up. Well, I'm for this one, and I'm for that one, and, 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 I, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I believe this, and I believe that. And it's created such a, 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 an atmosphere today. I don't know if you've realized, but you know this today that there's no middle ground? There, there's no such thing as neutrality anymore. Either you're for or you're against. Either you're with God or you're outside, against God. People have established these, these lines that have been drawn in the sand, as it were, as it were and, and, and what it's created, it has put such pressure and such tension in the church because if you're not for me, then you're against me, even though we come to the same church. Even though our sins have been forgiven by the same blood. Even though we have the same spirit of God dwelling within us. Christians who are at odds with one another. And listen, let's not be naive this morning. The internet, social media, and the like, these are great tools for the gospel. For evangelism. I thank God that we can broadcast our service, where we can minister to those who are unable to attend physically our service. So, so I am not against the internet, nor am I against social media. But we cannot be deceived because this great tool is also a great tool that our adversary uses. Social media has become a great tool for our enemy to use to spread deception and lies. There are thousands of voices out on the internet vying for your attention, wanting to get your ear. And it's sad that we have Christians that are giving themselves over to all of, this, all of these voices and embracing them so willingly. I remember, oh, about 20 years ago, it probably didn't impact you as much here as it did on the East Coast, on Christian radio. A man who had been on the radio for over a dozen years, who was considered very conservative in his biblical approach and his biblical teaching, one day 
out of the blue, this man who held degrees in theology declared that he knew the day Jesus was coming back. Even though the Bible clearly says that Jesus himself said, no man knows the day or the hour. Yet, he claimed God told him the day. And because he had such a following, people just embraced that. And thousands of Christians began to change their life. Well, if Jesus is coming back on October the 12th, then I might as well party and enjoy myself. I might as well, let me sell everything. Let me do, who cares? Because Jesus is coming back on the 12th. And people did all kind of crazy things in preparation for the return of the Lord. But of course, the day came and Jesus had not returned. And you would think he would learn. You would think his followers would learn. But this is true. Later on, he came with another date. He acknowledged he was wrong on that day, and he came with another day, and people once again began to follow him. Now, we can shake our heads this morning and say, oh, how could that? That's silly. But listen, it happens all the time. It's happened to many of us where we look at something on social media. I, I, listen, I, I like YouTube. I like some of the things that I see in there. But there are hundreds, if not thousands, of videos on YouTube from false prophets who are declaring all kinds of stuff. And I'm, I was watching and preparing for this sermon. I said, this guy's got a million views of this thing. Who in the world is listening to this thing? Why? It's totally unbiblical. But yet, a million people have tuned in. Christians are passing it on to them. You got to check out this video. You got to check this out. And all of a sudden now, we have this deception that's going on. I once had here at Belmont, a young man who had given his heart to the Lord, got water baptized here, and was coming regularly. And one day I hadn't seen him, and I called him. I said, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. He said, well, I saw this video, and I've made a decision. You see, I realized that at heart I'm a black Jew. And so I, I have to become a black Jew. I said, well, what does that mean? Does that mean you're not a Christian? No, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm a black Jew. And no matter what I said... He had embraced this doctrine because he saw a video and he got misled. Any one of us at any time can go down that road, brothers and sisters. The reason why God has given me this word for all of us is because of our susceptibility to being swayed. That's why Jesus told his followers, the men who had been with him for three years, every single day, watch out, watch out, be warned. Because this can come in so subtly and it can sound, notice that Paul said, fine sounding arguments can come in and sway you if, if you're not careful. Even the apostle Paul, he dealt with it in another church, in the Galatian church, where again, 
they're born again, they have the Spirit of God dwelling within them, but somewhere along the way, someone decided we have to go back to obeying the law. Everybody that hasn't been circumcised has to get circumcised. We have to go back to keeping the Sabbath and all the other regulations. To the point that even the Apostle Peter was led into deception. And Peter would only eat with the Jews and fellowship with the Jews. Can you imagine? Let's, let's bring that up to today. Can you imagine if our church was filled with division that, to that way? Well, this is the Spanish section. And this is the white section. And the black section or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Well, all of a sudden now, we're divided by culture. Because, no, we, we don't fellowship with them. We come to the same church, but we don't fellowship with them. That was literally going on. And even the apostle Peter was led astray by this. Don't tell me it can't happen to you. Don't tell me you're not susceptible. If it happened to the apostle Peter, it could happen to any one of us at any time. If we are not guarded, we can be easily misled. And that's why in order to do, be, avoid being deceived or misled, you and I, we need this complete understanding that the apostle talked about. We need to have that, that, that full insight into knowing Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm going to break it down for you. Three practical steps on how that works. How do you get complete understanding? How do you get to the place of knowing Christ? It begins with number one. Listen, it's so simple. It's prayer. You got to put prayer at the top. The apostle Paul began praying for this church. He had never visited this church, but he gets this report from Epaphras. And so now he begins to cry out to God on behalf of this church. Prayer. When you realize how easily you can be misled, it brings you to a position of humility before God, where you recognize, oh God, lead me, guide me, give me the wisdom that I need. God, I got to draw closer to you because if those great men were led astray, I could be led astray just as easily. So God, I want to humble myself and I want to seek your face. Listen to chapter 4, verse 12 about Epaphras. Uh, Paul said, wrote, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greeting. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. This man, Epaphras, who came from the church and went to see Paul, Paul is saying, I can, I'm bearing witness that this brother is constantly wrestling. There's that word again. He's battling. He, he's fervently fighting for you in prayer, that you will stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Can I say this, brothers and sisters, so you hear my, my pastoral heart? We need to unite together in prayer. Epaphras wasn't even in the building, but he kept praying for his fellow brothers and sisters. Not only do we need to pray individually for ourselves, 
But we need to corporate prayer going. And corporate prayer in several ways. You need to get together with prayer partners. Get together with people that are, that are, are serious about seeking after the face of God and praying and interceding for the church. We need to gather together on Wednesday nights so that we can gather and cry out to God. Why? Because we don't battle flesh and blood. And so we need to make sure that because we're battling spiritual forces, we need to seize every opportunity that we have to cry out to God. In fact, listen to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Again, familiar verses to many of us. Paul says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I want to encourage us as a church. We need to gather together and pray. Crying out to God because we don't battle against flesh and blood. There are powers, spiritual powers that are at work, that are seeking to deceive, that are seeking to derail our spiritual journey with God. And we need to get together and cry out to God for that. I need you here praying for me. Notice Paul. Paul said, hey guys, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me that when I speak, words may be given you. I don't want to give you a sermon. I want to give you the word of the Lord. I want to give you something that is relevant, that's right from the throne of heaven. I don't want to give you my fancy thoughts. I don't want to, well, my thoughts are not fancy. I don't, I don't want to come with something that is just from my head. I want to come with something that is, I've heard from God. This is what God wants to say to us. But listen. There are spiritual forces at work that want to keep the word of the Lord from coming. They want to keep the word of the Lord from coming to our youth. So you need to pray for Pastor Joey. You need to pray for Pastor Evelyn. We're not here to entertain your children. We're here to teach them the word of the Lord. So we need to pray for those in leadership that, that bring God's word. These ladies that are preparing for this Bible study. This is not just a nice time that we're planning. We want God to come. We want God to speak to these ladies to bring these spiritual, insightful thoughts that will transform our lives and the way we live. And Paul knew, I need the church praying for me. I need you. Praying for us. And you need me praying for you. We need each other. That's why, yeah, you can fill out a prayer request. That's wonderful. We'll pray for that. But how much more would it be if we all just gather for an hour and 15 minutes on Wednesday and said, I'm here to just cry out to God with my brothers and sisters. We're going to believe God for miracles. We're going to believe God that he's going to help us in every single way so that none of us are ever deceived. Blessed be his wonderful name. Prayer. It is very difficult for the adversary to deceive you when you're in touch with God through prayer. Number two. This was another simple one, guys. It's knowing God's word. We're talking about the Bible. Remember, Paul wrote this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit, and now it's part of our word, which means at that time when Paul wrote this, this was the word of the Lord. 
for the church at Colossae. You see. Now, here's the important thing. If you were the church at Colossae, you got the word of the Lord. You not only have to hear it, but now you have to make a decision. Am I going to structure my life around it? See, what we're talking about here, we're talking about recognizing if I'm going to avoid being deceived, I cannot live my life apart from God's Word. I have to structure my journey around God's Word every single day. And having said that, here's the truth. Statistically, we are in the most illiterate spiritual age in the history of the church. More believers know less about the Bible than ever before. Think about that statement. Statistically true. Where we have people who are so busy in their scheduling and all the things that they're planning that they have no time to devote to getting God's word into their life. To embracing it and making it part of their everyday living. And, and think about this. We are also living in a time where the Bible is more available than ever before. By a show of hands, how many of you bought your physical Bible with you this morning? Let me see your hand. See how few of you? How many of you have it on your app? Let me see your hand now. Yeah, see? It's more available than ever before. You got it in, in physical form. You got it in your phone. You got it in your iPad or uh, whatever uh, uh, tool that you're using. We, it is available now more than ever before. Yet, it's being read less more than ever before. Is it any wonder that the prophet Hosea said this, and hearing the voice of God in Isaiah 4, 6, God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Listen to me now. You cannot avoid being deceived by a lie if you don't know what the truth is. Let me say that one more time so you can get that, let it sink in. You cannot avoid being deceived by a lie if you don't know what the truth is. You, we, you and I have to make God's Word part of our daily life, reading it. And I'm just talking so much more even about just reading it. David, uh, we, many believe, penned Psalm 119. We're not sure, but maybe because it seemed like the heart of David, people ascribe this to David. But the 119th Psalm in verse 19, listen to this prayer. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I pray that prayer so many times. Every morning as I open up my Bible, I tell God, God, I don't want to just read to read. I want to see great things. And the word see there simply means, I, God, I, I want you to uh, open my eyes, take the covering off so that you've got to reveal to me the truth in your word and show me how it applies to my life. That's a prayer that God will answer. That's a cry God will respond to when you and I daily make time to ask God, as I read my Bible, 
Let me hear your voice speaking to me, God. I want to avoid being deceived. I don't want to fall into error. I don't want to be misled, God. So show me the truth of your word. So we got prayer. We got knowing God's word, the Bible. And here's the last one. Follow your leadership. Follow your leadership. Now, why do I say that? If you're attending Belmont, that means follow your pastor, me, and the pastor leadership of our church. If you're visiting, follow your pastor and the leadership of your church. There's a reason why we're called pastors. We are shepherds. Our job is to guide the people God entrusts to us. And if you attend here, if you call me pastor, it means you're saying, you are the one guiding me. And I accept that. That's a, hard, that, 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 that's a very difficult responsibility. It's an awesome responsibility that I tremble before God on. But having said that, if I'm to be your guide, then before you embrace a teaching that's not found in this church, you ought to check with us. Yeah. Yeah, right. You ought to say, hey, hey, if you saw something or if your friend said, hey, you got to check this out, the first thing you should do, well, wait a second, that's not taught in my church. So let me go talk to my pastor about that. I had a conversation not long ago. I said, Jason, if you would come with someone who attends our church and they were at a point where they didn't know what to do. He said, Pastor, my family is being torn apart. I have children on one side. And by the way, the whole family is born again. They love Jesus. There's not a question about whether they're saved or not. They're saved. They love Jesus. Part of the family wants the mom to get the vaccine. The other part felt is from the devil, that she shouldn't get it. And they were being torn apart in the family. And she didn't know what to do. So she was wise enough in that, as she prayed, she said, I need to speak to my pastor. And she said, you're my pastor. She called me, she said, you're my pastor. I will do what you tell me to do. And I shared with her, I said, look, I'm not going to tell you you should get the vaccine or not. But here's what I can tell you. There's nothing scriptural about the vaccine having the juice of 666 and all that kind of stuff. I understand that people are concerned about whether they should get this vaccine or not. And if the concern is a physical one, fine. But never let it to be a spiritual one because there's nothing from the devil in the vaccine. And I told her, I've gotten the vaccine. But whether you should get it or not, you make the decision based upon this and this alone. This is going to be good for my health. Don't let it be a spiritual one of saying, well, is this God or is this not God? Because when you go to see a doctor and he tells you you have a condition that if you take this pill, you'll live, but if you don't, you'll die, you don't go to God and say, well, let me check with God first. Should I take this pill or should I not? For the most part, I think you'll all agree with me, you wind up taking the pill. 
and you go on with your life as nothing is wrong. So I still I tell her, if you believe that this is going to be good for your health, then you take it. If you believe that it's not, then don't. She goes, well, thank you so much. She said, you're my pastor. You took it. I'm going to take it. Now, I'm not sharing that because I'm trying to get everybody to get the vaccine. I'm simply sharing that with you because here, just like in the church, homes are being torn apart. People are at odds right in the family more than ever before. And, and people are embracing things and ascribing biblical foundation to something that's not found in the Bible. And so I want to encourage you. I know that what I'm saying means I might get a lot of phone calls. And I'm okay with that. In fact, I'll tell you, before you call me, call Pastor Tom. He's smarter than I am. <laughs> he is. <laughs> and if you can't get him, I'll give you Pastor Joey's personal number. You can call him. Seriously. We're here to serve. I want to make sure that we're on the righteous path. I want to make sure that we're not swayed by something that sounds good. Remember Paul said, these are fine sounding arguments. There are things that sound so good, but they're really not God. And my, our responsibility as the leadership of this church is to help us to navigate through those things so that in your personal life, it doesn't impact you and lead you astray. It doesn't lead your family astray. And it doesn't impact the church in a negative way. That's our de desire. No matter how difficult the times may be, and they may get even more difficult, how we handle these difficult times hasn't changed since the day God's Word was written. We still need, number one, at the top of the list, prayer. We still need to cry out to God for spiritual discernment and insight so that we can know Jesus Christ and all the wisdom that's hidden in Him. Don't get your wisdom from the internet. Get your wisdom directly from the Lord. And get the wisdom and knowledge from the Word of God because the Word of God will never contradict the Spirit of God. Nor will the Spirit of God ever contradict the Word of God. They're always unified. So when you sense something, or I sense God speaking to me, get to the Word. If what I'm sensing, is that found in Scripture? And if it's not, there's a very good chance that what you sense didn't come from the throne of grace. But then you could also then come take another step and call us, contact, affirm it. Because if it's God, we'll affirm it. And if it's not, we'll tell you that it's not and why it's not. That way, all of us collectively together can have this complete understanding. Knowing Christ and all the treasures and of wisdom and knowledge that are hidden in him so that none of us are deceived. Stand with me.